As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome to this week's episode of the Earth Keepers podcast. To be honest, I had a tough time deciding what to share about this week because I'm recording this a week in advance, and it will air the day after the solstice and the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, which is to say that we might be totally different people living in a totally different world between the time this episode is recorded and when you listen to it. I mean, I am being slightly dramatic. Well, I think there may be some very significant shifts and activations on the solstice, the energy will probably take a few more weeks or even months to anchor in and reverberate out. But it does feel like we're right on the edge of a very big shift into this age of Aquarius. So while we wait to see what we collectively dream up as a result, I thought I would share with you the details of my experience during the month of June, when I worked deeply with the Bigfoot elders in an area called Krause Basin. I've shared bits and pieces of that experience, but in looking back at my channeled notes, I realized there was quite a bit I never shared mostly because it didn't seem to fit into anything else I was sharing about at the time. And honestly, it feels a bit vulnerable for me to share it. After I pulled all of my notes together for this episode, I wasn't sure I wanted to record it and put this all out there. But there were some beautiful nuggets of wisdom that came through during that time and have just been sitting in my notebook when they could be shared with you. And maybe there's something in there that's exactly what you need right now while we walk through this liminal space just after the solstice. The process I use to connect with this place and the spirits there is the one I share in my Sacred Places course. A small group of us worked through it all together in live time during the month of June, each of us working with our own places and then reporting back to each other each week. It was truly remarkable to see all of the beautiful wisdom that was shared from these different places all over the world. Some people were working right in their own backyards. And others were working with state or national parks or places that were known to have special spiritual connections. And last month, I realized that I hadn't made the details of that project available to anyone else after we'd experienced it for ourselves. So I sat down, re-recorded the lessons, created checklists for each week, and put it all together so that you could do the same thing with your special place in nature. During the month of December, I'm offering it as a gift to anyone who enrolls in the Earth Tenders Academy. So at the moment, you have a little over a week left to join us in the Earth Tenders Academy and also get sacred places to help you immerse yourself in the magic of a special place that's calling to you. So now let me tell you about my experience. It all started last spring. On one particular night, I was having a hard time falling asleep. Every time I closed my eyes, a very clear image would appear. It was a place I'm familiar with, maybe 15-minute drive from my home. Dense, 
lush, ancient forest. A small section of woods that was spared from clear-cutting in the 1960s, this place has a very different feel and energetic quality than anywhere else for miles in every direction. It's like two timelines merge together in this one place. A memory of what was held in the context of what now is. This place had been popping up in my mind's eye on a regular basis the prior few weeks as an answer to a question I'd asked. Because what had become clear to me over the prior month is that when I realized when I was thinking about sacred places in nature, I kept looking to the past, asking, how did these places come to be? But I was looking in the wrong direction and asking the wrong questions. The real question was, what secrets do these sacred places hold for us today? What knowledge or frequencies have they been holding for thousands of years for those who knew how to work with them? And what would like to be released in this moment for the world we currently live in? So while I was thinking on this question, I also asked another one. What sacred place is in my own backyard that might want to work with me? And this ancient forest began to appear in my visions. But I dismissed it. Not that place, I kept saying. It's nice, but I'd prefer something different. Send me something else. I don't even know why I was resisting it. But then on this particular night, while I was laying in the darkness and the silence, this place refused to release me. One spirit in particular was not going to let me off the hook. And there he was, every time I closed my eyes, standing in front of this obviously sacred place was the most enormous Bigfoot I had ever seen. And not just standing, but standing with his arms folded, he was tapping his toe at me. Uh-oh. This dude was not impressed with my dismissal of his place. I tried to approach him and have a conversation, but it was like I wasn't even there. Like he was showing me this vision, but not going to interact with me. After a few attempts and apologies, I let him know he was welcome to visit in my dreams if there was something he needed to discuss, and I finally drifted off to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, I realized he hadn't talked to me during the dream time, and he wasn't going to. This was the sacred place I asked about, and I was going to have to come to him. But then I remembered something else about this place. A year before, I had visited it a couple of times, and after one of the visits, I started getting visions of a Bigfoot wearing formal attire, and me in a wedding dress. And I was like, excuse me, what? Why am I marrying a Bigfoot in this vision? But Bigfoot tends to communicate with pictures or telepathically, and I couldn't quite grasp the message. I'm sorry to say that I had completely forgotten about this message for an entire year, and I still hadn't been back to visit that location. Oops. The grumpy, toe-tapping Bigfoot suddenly made sense. He'd been waiting a year for me to turn back up. Then when I asked what sacred place wanted to work with me, he thought that was his chance to remind me, and I dismissed it. Oh man, I had felt so bad when I realized it, but as I have learned on this spiritual journey, everything always happens in perfect timing. So although he may have been impatient, I'm guessing I wasn't ready for what was to be revealed until earlier this year. So I decided to dedicate the month of June to working with this place called Kraus Basin and see what the Bigfoot so desperately wanted to show me. As the days counted down to the beginning of June, more information began to flow in. I was standing outside one evening looking at the moon 
when I heard a message in my head say, it's all about to change, which I'm not going to lie, it gave me a small jolt of panic. Um, What is going to change? No answer. So I took a deep breath and realized there was nothing scary or foreboding in this message. But I did go to bed wondering what was to come. And then a few days later, I heard it again. It's all about to change. So I tuned in just a little bit deeper and asked for some clarity. Whatever I was about to do, experience, or receive during this month-long journey was apparently going to initiate some change in my life. So I went back into my office to channel the welcome video and initial guided meditation for the Sacred Places course. Afterwards, I did the meditation for myself. As I arrived in my journey at Krause Basin, the Bigfoot guide who'd been calling me there was leaning against a tree, waiting for me. He was so excited when I showed up that he grabbed my hand and rushed me down the trail to where the others were waiting for me. I had expected to see my entire spirit team and other versions of myself sitting in a ceremonial circle. But nope, it was all Bigfoots. And as I stepped into the circle and sat down, I became one of them too. Tears came to my eyes, chills ran through my body, no words were spoken. It sure felt like a reunion to me, that I was back with my family, one of my many multidimensional families. And with that, I was ready to make my first visit in person. On June 3rd, I took the short drive from my house up the side of this mountain and nearly gasped when I saw how a recent windstorm had devastated the trees in the area. The old growth trees in the area I was visiting were thankfully still standing. In the mile or so surrounding that spot, enormous trees had been snapped in half and uprooted in every direction. It definitely felt like a physical manifestation of the human energy that had been building up in my week in the week prior to my visit. Once I arrived at Krause Basin, I was told to turn my phone off and leave it in the car for my visit. I did that and then walked slowly along the trail, noticing the wild honeysuckle in bloom and the trillium and devil's club growing together in the understory. As I rounded a corner on the trail, I suddenly froze when a snowshoe hare hopped right onto the trail at the same time. She also froze, and we stood there together for some time, wondering who was going to move first. She finally decided it was safe enough to graze on the greenery alongside the trail and then hopped under the shrubbery out of my view. I then found a soft, mossy spot under the hemlock and cedar trees to sit, where I took my shoes off to feel the earth beneath my feet and play my singing bowl which played so easily it almost didn't feel like it needed me to share its song. As I tuned into the energy there and asked more about this place, I was told that it was like a medicine chest. Everything I could ever need is packed into this tiny little space. I was told that I could use it as a living laboratory and amplify the energy there to make it available to others. It was suggested that I could create the energy or essence of this place and then connect other people's energy to it. At first I said, oh, you want me to make essences here? Like bring containers of water on my next visit? And they laughed. No, they said, make vibrational healing essences. You can absorb the energy of places that you visit and then share them elsewhere. The vibration of this place is the medicine. It's heart medicine. And then they showed me how to pull the energy of a place into my body and transfer it to someone else. 
basically I hand it over to their higher self and their higher self delivers it to the place in the body that they most need it. How cool is that? I was so excited to try this out. I started texting my other healer friends as soon as I got home to ask if I could try it. And every one of them felt the energy of the place transfer to them. A few even experienced significant healings. Honestly, I haven't done much with this knowledge since then. I'm not totally sure what to do with it. But if you follow me on Instagram, when I'm in a particularly special or beautiful spot in nature, I will do this energy transfer on my stories for anyone who would like to receive it. I wasn't really expecting something so specific and special to be shared with me on my very first visit, but I was totally blown away. And I hadn't even connected with Bigfoot on that visit. I felt them observing, kind of waiting in the wings for the next visit. The following week, I returned, and as I walked around, I saw a chipmunk, a squirrel, and some butterflies. I also noticed that the trillium had finished blooming in the days since I'd last visited, but the false Solomon seal was now blooming everywhere and was incredibly fragrant. The energy in the air on this visit was intense and buzzing, and I could feel Bigfoot coming closer. I returned to my shaded spot to sit under the trees and began to tone with the earth, sending the vibration down into the ground. The whole feeling was incredibly sensual, and I was receiving visions of the trees wanting me to feel the pleasure of their presence and participation in my ceremony. They told me to relax and let my guard down. And when I did, Bigfoot stepped forward and told me a story. Once upon a time, they said, there was a girl who lived in the clouds. She neither lived here nor there, but in between two worlds. One day, her mother, a human, said to her, it's time to know who you really are. This girl looked like a perfectly normal girl, except for her large, hairy feet. As soon as they showed me this vision, I gasped out loud. I've seen this vision before, during multiple healing sessions and in the Akashic Records. The girl in the clouds with the big hairy feet. And suddenly it was like all of the pieces tumbled out and fit together at the exact same time. My Bigfoot guide is me. It's always been me. That is why she doesn't speak to me. She doesn't need to, because I already know what she knows. The information is within me because it is me. After I was able to compose myself, sitting there beneath the trees, crying tears of remembrance and reconnection with this soul family, I managed to pull myself back together so that Bigfoot could continue with the story. The girl's mother sent her on a journey with a map and a knapsack filled with bread and cheese, and she set out on her way. Along the way, she met an owl, a helper who told her stories about the magical forest where they were headed. When they finally arrived at this forest, the girl stepped onto the trail and slipped right into another dimension. And suddenly, there he was, the Bigfoot I'd seen in my visions, the one who was not so patiently waiting for me. He was explaining to the girl, or rather to me, that our meeting was arranged by our families. But that's because our families were already aware of our energetic match and of the agreement we'd made together in the stars before coming to Earth. He showed me our beautiful courtship, which really was more of an opportunity to reconnect our energy and remember our prearranged plans together. 
we were meant to help bridge the gap between humans and the Bigfoots, to share knowledge and information back and forth. The Bigfoot said that I've come to a level of maturity to begin consciously sharing in partnership with them. My light body can now work with theirs, and I was guarded and protected in doing this work. And then it hit me. He had been showing me visions of us wearing wedding attire for the past year, not because he wanted to marry me, but because he wanted me to remember that we were already partners. At least some version of me in time and space was. I walked away from this visit in complete, stunned silence. Was this true? And even if it was, could I tell anyone about this? Because this sounded especially out there, even for me. I sat with the information for days before sharing it, nervously, with the rest of the group doing the Sacred Places course. There were some likes on my post, but no comments. Yeah, because this is weird. How do you even respond to this? And as a side note, if you're wondering how my husband in this life fits into this whole situation, go back and listen to episode two of the podcast, My Plant Medicine Journey, because it's all quite hysterical how the pieces came together. Anyhow, I returned to Krauss Basin the following week on the summer solstice, a bit nervously. Actually, the feeling I wrote in my notebook was melancholy. The Bigfoots beckoned to me to sit under some low trees where I was protected and hidden from the trail on this visit, and said that I was feeling this way because I knew on a soul level that there would be some things I would need to leave behind to walk the line between these two worlds. They said that part of my role in this lifetime is to communicate and share my experiences with others. But in order to spend more time with them, there would be less time for other things in my life. If I wanted to take this next step on my journey, I was going to need some help to do both. And they meant my work. They wanted me to find someone to help me with some of the administrative tasks that I'd been doing myself. Strangely, I'd been resistant to the idea up until this point, but in the weeks after this time, I did actually hire someone to help me when I realized how much time these tasks were taking and keeping me away from being immersed in nature. Who knew Bigfoot could help with business projects? Anyhow, I started asking more about what exactly they were asking of me. What would this partnership or marriage entail? They shared that it's not a matter of channeling their messages or energy. Rather, it's a complete embodiment of the energy. Not just theirs and me, but me and theirs as well. That is why we all feel so nervous, they said. Because they would be bringing my energy fully into their world as well which isn't something they're particularly trusting about with humans. And because it's a full embodiment, we won't be fully conscious of the information coming from somewhere outside of us. It will be more of a natural extension of ourselves into the other world. So it wouldn't be like, oh, this is a message I'm receiving from Bigfoot. The energy and messages will just be there, seamlessly working through me and vice versa for them. Ultimately. We all agreed to this partnership, and a most beautiful and moving ceremony was held in spirit. But really, it was just a remembering of the agreements we'd already made in between incarnations. On my final visit to Krauss Basin during the month of June, I was settled into a spot beneath a giant cedar tree, telling the Bigfoots that I would continue visiting them regularly in this place. But they said that our time together, in this way, in this place, was done for now. <laughs>
as summertime hikers were now flowing into the basin in a near constant stream, it was too busy for them to work with me here. They would find other places and times and ways to connect. And besides, our energy was embodied in each other now. We were always connected. But before we were done there, they had another story to tell me about how partnerships or marriages were meant to work here on Earth. Originally, they said, partnerships were arranged in the stars based on an energetic match that was needed to accomplish our missions while incarnated. When you were of age and had completed your initial spiritual and energetic teachings as an individual, you were introduced to your pre-arranged partner. This was a joyous reunion because you knew this was a match you had both agreed to before incarnating in this lifetime. There would be a period of time for reconnecting and aligning energies with one another. The actual wedding was the merging and embodying of energies with your partner. This is where the idea of waiting until your wedding night to have sex came from. It was the merging of energy fields that sealed your partnership. After that, you then worked together with your extended families, your soul families, toward your combined mission for your collective incarnation on Earth. As with most traditions, Bigfoot said, the church stole and muddied this intent behind the tradition and instead used this idea of arranged marriages to acquire more money, land, and power, and build empires that never ultimately endured. So before this last visit concluded, they showed me a vision they'd been showing me again and again during this month, where I'm lying on an enormous tree stump in the forest in my human form, wearing white, surrounded by flowers and petals of every color and scent, and wearing a crown of flowers on my head. It feels a bit like I'm an offering. But it's not like that. They're showing me that they have the highest honor and regard for our partnership and my ability to walk between these two worlds. When I'm in this place, my Bigfoot partner comes to join me. And every time we meet in this way, our embodiment deepens. It's a merging of energy where we each receive more access to our inherent knowledge every time. These meetings are in sync with my cycle, they tell me, and help me to connect to the wisdom in my womb. Just as the rest of the traditions were distorted over time, these monthly rituals had nothing to do with procreation, which would only happen when an arrangement was made between the three souls involved in bringing new life into the world. No, this merging is different, they said. Much life can be created in the womb and birthed through our bodies without creating another being. What if your body reflected the creation process in another way, they asked. When you create anything new, your body gestates, births, and mothers these creations. Sometimes you'll be mothering one creation while another one is growing inside of you. This union with Bigfoot has created something new inside of me that will take some time to grow and be ready to come into the world. But that doesn't mean I'm not experiencing big changes while this new creation is being nurtured. It's not a separate being that you're growing, they said. It's a new way of being. And here I am, six months later, just now feeling ready to share the story with you. So this is just one example of the remarkable remembrances we can have when we deliberately connect with special places in nature. Imagine all of the wisdom that could be discovered and the new creations birthed into this world if more people were making these deep connections. And that's exactly why I'm sharing this experience with you here today. Vulnerable as it may feel, 
because I want you to get out in nature and see what's waiting for you. It probably won't be Bigfoot. Well, it might be Bigfoot, but ultimately it will be exactly what you need to remember at this important moment in time. And if you'd like some guidance on how exactly how to go out in nature and make these connections for yourself, I'm giving my Sacred Places courses to you as a gift for the rest of December when you sign up for the Earth Tenders Academy. We tend to think of sacred places as being far-flung locations around the world that we'd have to take a pilgrimage to visit. Mount Shasta or Machu Picchu or Stonehenge, for example. But there are sacred trees, stones, caves, valleys, mountains, and waters literally all over the earth, just like Kraus Basin, which was just a short drive from my home. Many of these places have been forgotten or are just waiting for the right person, aka you, to notice and ask to work with them together. In Sacred Places, I walk you step by step through how to engage a place of your choice over four weeks. Each week, there's a pre-recorded video lesson where I share some suggestions on how to connect with your place, along with a checklist of what to do during your visit to help open up the magic that's held there. I'll add a link in the show notes to a training I did a few weeks ago all about working with these sacred places. Go check it out if you want to learn more, because I'd love to have you join us. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.